Welcome to the Find Your Still Point podcast, where we help busy people find some stillness and peace in the midst of chaos of life. I'm your host, Jessica King. I'm a psychotherapist, yoga teacher, and business owner. And today I have the joy of interviewing Michelle Crittenden. Michelle has been teaching yoga for over 15 years. Her inclusive, approachable style of yoga is truly available to all, from new students to seasoned practitioners. Michelle believes that yoga is a touch point back to ourselves. She says, when we get still, we remember who we are, and with that understanding, we can move through the world with more compassion, grace, and love. When Michelle's not teaching yoga, you can find her spending time with her husband and three active boys. Today, Michelle takes a little bit of time out to talk with us about her yoga journey while also navigating the craziness of motherhood and business. She also shows up with us today to speak a little about the intersection of wellness with mental health and how radical acceptance has helped her to step up authentically and show up for herself to be well. So let's take a listen together. Michelle, welcome. Hi, happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. I am too. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. Well, I introduced you a little bit already um, in our intro um, about how you're an amazing yoga teacher in Wilmington. And I can attest to that. I've been in many of your classes. Love your class. Um, as well as a busy mom of three boys that really keep you on your toes. Um, but I thought maybe you could just tell us a little bit like more about yourself and maybe your yoga practice today here in Wilmington. Well, with the pandemic, it's been a real challenge, um, you know, teaching and trying to navigate that, um, last year when, you know, gosh, it's been a year, it's been almost a year. And at first, um, I really kind of drew back from teaching because I didn't know what to do. And, and I didn't like this idea of Zoom is I don't even know if I ever heard of Zoom before. So I kind of like retreated into myself, um, into my family. And then it was so funny. Um, my neck hurt so bad, like so bad. My husband was like, what is what's wrong? And I was like, Sam, like, I really can't move my neck. And he said to me, when's the last time you did yoga? And I said, I don't know. I was, it was so crazy. And I just stopped my practice. I stopped teaching. I stopped practicing. And I'm like, I got to get my act together. So I started teaching again and I started doing Zoom classes and practicing on my own. And it was amazing. Like in a week, I was like, oh my gosh, my body is back. So I've, you know, traveled all around Wilmington, trying out all the different parks to teach, <laughs> you know, and at first it, it was only 10 people in a class because it was so strict, the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were at Halle Burton and then we finally have found a home at Humacray, which is now Longleaf Park, mm-hmm. which is so awesome. It's like a great spot. So I teach three mornings a week 
And really up until February, I was able to teach um, almost every day. I Zoom the class as I teach it. Mm-hmm. So people can stay home if they want. Um, but then, you know, it's been so cold and wet. So it's just been Zoom for this month. But before we know it here in Wilmington, we'll be back outside. So That's it's been right. really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good story and being flexible um, with, and I think everybody understands that need to like pivot and change this year and how it's been hard in some ways, but it sounds like you navigated and found your way back to yoga. It was so cool because I taught outside before Mm -hmm. on the beach and other places, but um, it's really powerful. Like I didn't realize how powerful of a practice that was to be on the earth, you know, to just be, to have like to do tree pose, you know, in Longleaf Park amongst the Longleaf Pines, you know, it's really neat. Yes. That energy. I'm sure that that's amazing. Yeah. And it speaks to, I guess, the power of the yoga practice and what it brings to us. And I know you've had a long journey with yoga. Side note, I will say I've known Michelle um, in the yoga world, probably now for like 10 years. I, well, I know that because I moved here 10 years ago and this is just a funny story in the world being small. And I don't even know if you remember this, but I just moved here. I'd sold my yoga practice in Concord, North Carolina. And I moved here with my five-year-old Parker was five. And then my youngest was less than a year. And I was like, had to move in, moved away from family, didn't have a job anymore. Didn't know what I was going to do. Somebody had told us when we left Concord to get in touch with Sam Crittenden, which is your husband, because they knew him from um, school or something and that you were a yoga teacher. And, you know, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just trying to survive with these two little kids and they weren't in school or daycare or anything. And so we joined the WAC, which you mentioned, the Wilmington Athletic Club and um, started going there. And I think I started taking your class. And then one day randomly, in the pool. I think we had crossed paths a lot because our kids were like on the same schedules or something. They're the same ages. And then your husband was there and he started asking me questions. And I said I was from Concord. And he was like, oh, I know this dude from Concord. And then I was like, oh my gosh, you're the person I'm supposed to meet. It all came together. (laughs) It all came together. At the WAC pool. And those that are listening from Wilmington will remember that fondly. But so anyway, so then I've just known you in the yoga world since then. But I know that your yoga journey has been extensive. You've been teaching for like 15 years. So could you tell us a little bit about how you came to yoga and what that journey has been like? Yeah. So um, I went to UNCW and I was a diver on the swimming and diving team. Sometimes people think I was a scuba diver. That's not the diving that I did. But when I was on the dive team, um, this professor named Christian Barnes came to practice one day. Um, This probably in 2000. And he um, taught yoga. So before we dove, he gave us just a little quick yoga practice just right there under the diving boards. And it was so profound and so moving. I was like, this is amazing. And then... What was even more amazing is then we went and had our practice and I was like in the flow. You know, you've heard that before, like that term, the flow. I mean, it was just like everything was in sync. I was like present and I had literally probably the best practice of my life. And I was like, this is amazing. 
And that was it. I mean, I was hooked. I was totally hooked. But in 2000, there wasn't a lot of yoga in Wilmington. So it wasn't like I, you know, could just go to, you know, look it up and figure out where to go. Like it, it was really, you know, I think probably um, Seaside was the first yoga studio that I found. Mm. But um, yeah, so I finished college and um, took me a little longer than some, but not too long. And I remember this is another big part of my yoga, my aha yoga moment, but I was home for Thanksgiving. So I was graduating in December and I was sitting at my parents' computer in their office and they were trying to get me to do a resume, you know, to apply for jobs. So my major was health education. So, you know, at that time, in order to really go into the field, I'd probably have to get a master's, but they were like, oh my gosh, you would just probably do so good in pharmaceutical sales. And they knew someone who knew someone and, you know, just that's where they kind of were pushing me. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll write this resume. We'll see. And when I was sitting at that computer, it was like something came over me and it was like, my body was like, I, I mean, I really, like, I think I started crying. I think, I mean, I could not write the resume. It was like, there is no way, this is not what I want to do. Like, absolutely not, no way, no how. And so I went, um, I didn't do, I didn't write the resume. I went back to school and I met with my counselor and I told him the story and I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to do that at all. I want to be a yoga teacher. And he was like, well, I don't understand what the problem is. And I was like, I'm, of course I'm crying again. And I'm like, the problem, my parents just paid for four years, four and a half years of college. And now I want to be a yoga teacher. And he's like, that's okay. You go and take everything you've learned and be the best yoga teacher. And that's that. And, and I was like, wow, like that permission, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to kind of pivot again and, and go that direction was so powerful. And my parents were like, just, they're amazing. They were so supportive. And um, yeah, I graduated college in December. I took a road trip with my husband, not, you know, Sam, not at the time, not my husband, but we drove cross country mm -hmm. to California and I found this ashram to do my yoga training so I could like live in a spiritual community. And it was really cool. It was super, super cool. And um, I did that for a month and I got my yoga training and hung out in California a little bit, drove up and down the coast and then drove back. And um, at that time, Seaside Yoga really was, I mean, I think the only game in town. And um, one of the teachers, Amy Salva, was having some health problems and she had to step away like the day I got back into town. And it was like, just fate, you know? And so I slipped right in there because normally you don't just go get a yoga training and start, you know, a full-time gig. But um, I was able to step in and she was a power, a stronger yoga teacher. And at that time, that's what I taught and practiced. So that was that. And that was in 2000, what year was that? I think that was 2004. Okay. Wow. So yeah. cool. So interesting. It's such a story of like listening to your gut, listening to your intuition, but also planning and preparing and doing all the things you need to do um, to get where you need to be. And also a, a, a 
leaning on your support systems. What a great advisor. It was your advisor. You said yes. that was like, yes. just it, do it's it. funny. I was like looking back through my notes and I, I can't remember his name and I wish I could, cause I'd give him a shout out, <laughs> um, but yeah, he was incredible. Yeah. And, and actually that whole year was incredible because that wasn't even the end of my journey that year. So I taught yoga most of that summer. And then that fall, my best friend called me and said, we're going to India. And I said, okay, let's sign me up. And so um, Patabi Joyce was the founder of Ashtanga Yoga and he has an ashram in Mysore, India. And of course, Tara, I've known her my whole life. She always is connected. So she somehow had connections to, um, you know, I think it was, his name was Joseph Dunham. And he was uh, almost like the handler of Fatabi Joyce. He kind of brought him to America. Okay. Somehow she was connected with him. So when we got to Mysore, we were able to stay in his house, which was like a palace compared to where everybody else was. We actually had flushing toilets, which was also like a big deal and running water for showers. So um, yeah, we, we did that for two months and that was super incredible. Yeah. It sounds like a life-changing experience. Yeah. It was like a whirlwind of a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. Like, it sounds like a whirlwind, like doing so many new things and being in new places and also putting yourself in these. I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong. I've actually never been to an ashram. Um, and maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about that because it makes me think of like putting ourselves in a place where we really can cultivate the stillness or be able to give ourselves the space to do whatever processing we need to do. And we don't always have that in our everyday life. So oh, I know, I know mm -hmm. it's, it really was a gift of just being really so young and, and also in like the right place at the right time, because mm -hmm. I, wasn't married. I had no kids. Mm -hmm. So I was able to, you know, now, um, you know, there's so many different opportunities to do yoga trainings, but they're, um, you know, when you're, you know, on the weekends and, you know, once a month or something, which is awesome. I mean, like any time that you can do that is incredible, but mm -hmm. to be able to like pause for a month and step out of, you know, the day to day, it mm -hmm. was really quite an experience. Yeah, for sure. So you were able to take that to like pause, step out of the day to day, really kind of soak up your yoga teacher training. And then you brought it back to your day to day life here. What was that like when you stepped back into, I guess, the real world, but out of the ashram, was it a little bit harder to continue to find that stillness or what's oh, that been like yeah. for you? Well, absolutely. I remember because at the ashram, I mean, we were meditating and practicing yoga for, you know, several hours, you know, in the morning and the afternoon, let alone, you know, in the middle of the day, just learning and teaching, you know, mm -hmm. learning how to be a yoga teacher, but they call it sadhana, you know, that's your time of, of sitting and, and yoga and meditation. And when I left, I remember when I left the ashram, so it was called the expanding light. It was in Northern California. And I, drove back and one of my oldest friends was living in um, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I went to her house and um, I just remember like we went to the grocery store and I just remember like the lights of the grocery store and the tabloids and all the stuff because at the ashram, there was no alcohol. There was no outside, you know, there was no TV, there was no media. And I mean, this was so long ago, there wasn't, I mean, I don't even think I had a smartphone. There wasn't 
Instagram or things like, I mean, I guess there was Facebook. I'm not (laughs) so into that, but you know, there was just like, I was completely disconnected and then coming back into the real world was quite a shock. And I remember for a couple of days, I'd get up real early and I'd do my practice, you know, at her house. But, you know, as the days went on, the practice got shorter and shorter, you know, just because it's not really sustainable, I don't think, for like a 22, three-year-old to practice yoga two hours every day. Mm-hmm. At least it wasn't for me. So, um, yeah, it was It was definitely a, a very different. Yeah, a different feel. And you had to, I guess, find your, find your flow, that term comes back up again, but what has, what, what has that flow been for you? Like, has there been moments in time where your practice, I guess you already mentioned it wasn't existent and what, like right at the beginning of the pandemic that happened for you too, and you brought yourself back to it. Has it been like that? Like in other points in your journey, has it been challenging to continue to kind of return to that place? Yeah. Well, when I got back from India, which mm-hmm. was um, around Christmas time, um, I got pregnant. Oh. And um, it was like so amazing. It was such a such a gift. And um, but that is hard, you know, to be pregnant. And I was young, and Sam and I weren't married at the time. And so we also had this opportunity because when I was in India, I met these yoga teachers that lived in Hawaii. And they were like, we are looking for a nanny. And I was like, well, I will be your nanny on Maui because why not? Why not? Yes. (laughs) um, And Sam's like a huge surfer and he quit his job and he's like, I will come and help you be a nanny, Michelle. So we, you know, have our house rented out and we're having a yard sale. And I'm like, I think I might be pregnant. And so I was. And so we told the folks in Hawaii and they we're like, well, I don't know if you should come. And we're like, no, we are making it happen. We're coming. You know, I don't, obviously I didn't know what it was like to be pregnant or have kids. So I'm like, no big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, be a nanny and a mom. So we go out there and it wasn't what I thought, but it was a really cool experience for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, they lived in the most beautiful, beautiful part of Maui. And um, I mean, we basically lived in a tree house. Um, there was running water, but there was no bathroom there was like a bathroom that you had to you know walk to and there was a shower but it was on a tree but there was no you know protection from the elements so it was really windy so when it like the wind would blow you'd have to like move to get under the water Um, and I think if I wasn't pregnant maybe I'd still be in Hawaii but it was um, not the right place or right time so my practice yeah I didn't do a whole lot of practicing out there because I really was working. I was watching their children. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had this amazing shala where they taught, but I couldn't practice because I was being a nanny, you know, yeah. watching their kids, driving their kids to school. Mm-hmm. And then when I, we got back, so I was supposed to stay there for six months. You know, we, we kind of thought indefinitely we were just going to raise these surfer kids in Hawaii. And then um, again, pivoting, right? We, that's, yeah. a, that's actually the theme of the podcast how to fit it. <laughs> but, um, I was like I can't do this like I gotta get home so of course Sam was super supportive and we came back home and yeah I kept teaching but I you know didn't practice as much and then as when my uh, first son also a Parker like mm-hmm. your son when he was born it was really you know that was 
very hard to, to teach and it was very hard to practice. Um, and so I didn't, you know, I remember one of my first yoga classes I went to, uh, Kristen Cooper at the yoga center. She was like, no, bring the baby. It's fine. You can bring the baby. And I remember coming to yoga and I don't know how many months old he was, but I like laid him down and he was pretty quiet at first. I was able to practice. And then of course he wasn't quiet and was crying. And it was just a really, I think I was crying. It was very emotional, but it's hard. It's hard to, you know, have kids and, and be able to keep that practice up. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of rock your world. <laughs> they jump yeah. in there and you just have to, again, find, find your flow. And at first it can be really hard to do that, to be able to match schedules and do all that. And so you, it sounds like you, again, kind of just led, let yourself be led by what was most important at the time, which was your kids and raising your kids and moving into that. And yeah. yeah. And now you have three children, right? And they yeah, are so busy. Yes. Yes. It was scary. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I'm pregnant again. I'm pregnant again. This is <laughs> and so, yeah, now we have three sons and they're so fun. It's, it's awesome, but mm-hmm. it, it's challenging for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. What are some of the things, what, what is challenging about it? What are, what have been some of your experiences maybe here in the past few years of trying to, you know, juggle their schedules and keep up with your yoga practice, but also offer these amazing practices to our community. What's that been like for you? Well, it's been, you know, it really was more challenging when they were real little you know I mean when they were in preschool mm-hmm. um, and I we mentioned earlier the whack that's really the only place I taught yoga because I could bring them with me mm-hmm. you know I mean yoga sorry anybody out there that's going to be a yoga teacher is not that lucrative of a career <laughs> um, so you know for me to have to pay for a sitter and then you know, run over to town, teach a class, come back, you know, it just was, didn't really make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But at the gym, I could bring them, teach, do what I love. And they were there with me. So that was really, really good. And Mm -hmm. then when they um, all went to school, that's when I could, you know, I I figured out a way to do more, you know, do more privates, you know, teach in different locations Mm -hmm. and the practice that way. Yeah. But um, I think what happens sometimes with me and probably most moms is that we just, we think, and, and as women really too, we feel like we must put everyone before ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you put the kids before you and, and the laundry and the dishes and the, you know, getting people where they need to go. And then you're kind of last on the list. And so I definitely went through, you know, times when that was what, was going on with me. And, and then I really, it, it didn't help. And, and it, and I really, I struggled for sure. Um, and I guess like what really, like the biggest challenge was it kind of came to a head when they were pretty small and I was teaching yoga and I was also waiting tables and, um, kind of burning the candle at both ends, but, you know, I didn't know that's what I was doing. You know, I was just, I had three kids, so I was just Mm -hmm. doing what I needed to do. And um, Sam, he has sold everything under the sun, but at this point he was selling boats. So he had a 
really busy schedule. He had to work on the weekends because that's when people wanted to buy a boat. And um, so he had like Tuesdays off. So that was hard too. Um, mm -hmm. But I remember I took them up to visit my parents in Northern Virginia. I do that every summer. And so we were there for a week and it's a lot, you know, just having, they were probably, I would say like two, four, six-ish mm -hmm. ages. Um, the first two were a little closer in age, but at that point they were about two, four, six. And we were up in, um, up in Northern Virginia and we went on a trip to Hershey Park. My mm -hmm. mom was so excited to take the kids to Hershey Park. And I remember saying, you know, I don't know if this is like the best idea. It was like a heat warning, like the heat index was crazy. And it just seemed like, I, I don't know if it was like a premonition or I was just kind of like, I don't know about this, but we went and I didn't really hydrate well. I didn't really eat enough. You know, my mom loves a, a McDonald's uh, pancake meal and as do all my children. So we went there for breakfast, which I was like, I'm not going to eat McDonald's. So I think that I'd had like lots of caffeine and not a lot of nutrition. Mm -hmm. and so we'd go all around the park. And then at one point I was on, I don't know what ride and we get off and I'm like, whoa, there is like something majorly wrong with me. And I thought, oh, maybe I just need to eat something or maybe it's the heat. And so I did, I, I ate and drank and I was like, no, no, something's like for real wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I said to my mom, I was like, we have to call the, 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 the medic people, like the paramedics. And she's like, what? And I'm like, no, no, you got to call them right now. She was like, okay. And they came and they like put me on their little golf cart. And I remember um, Mikey, my little one was thinking that I was like getting arrested because they looked like, you know, they, they were in like uniform, like he thought they were like police. <laughs> And my mom, no, she's not getting arrested. But I went to the infirmary and they checked everything out, like all my vitals and everything looked good. Um, they just like, oh, you just were probably, you know, like a little bit of a heat stroke or something like that. But I was there thinking, I'm going to die. Like there's something so wrong. I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until later that I realized I was having a panic attack. Mm. Never had a panic attack you don't know what that feels like. You don't, you know, and no one there seemed to have any idea that I was having a panic attack or what that, you know, looked like. And maybe I probably wasn't really expressing the way I was feeling, but inside I was like, I'm going to die. Like, this is bad. Like, this is really, really bad. And then I'm like, I got to get to my kids. I got to get out of here. So I broke out of the infirmary and got back to my family. And my mom's like, okay, time to go to um, the water park. And I was like, mm -mm, we got to go home. She's like, what? We just got here. Like, this is going to be so fun. And I was like, no, like I am dying and I have to go home. Yeah. And my kids, they were so little and they really didn't know what was going on and they were cool about it. And we went home. Um, we went back and it was a couple hour drive back to Virginia. And literally my body was vibrating. Like I was vibrating for days. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. Um, finally, I think the day before I was supposed to head back to, to Wilmington, I had my dad take me to the doctor, to a medic. And I, I told my story to this wonderful doctor. And she said, you're going to be okay. This happened to me in medical school. Um, she's like, you're really, you know, just, this is anxiety. And I was like, okay. And she was like, and, and you need to, to take something. You need to go see a psychiatrist when you get back to Wilmington, you know, she gave me something to take in the meantime, but she was like, you need to go, you know, promise me you're going to go see a psychiatrist when you get back to town. Mm -hmm. 
And I said, of course I will. And I was so sick. I couldn't even drive home. And I think Sam didn't really realize mm-hmm. how bad it was until we got back home. And he, you know, my dad brought me back home with the kids. And that was like a real wake up call for me in taking care of myself. Yes, absolutely. And so you have this moment of like, what, what is this? I think I'm just sick. I think, you know, something's terribly wrong with me. I'm dying. And then to find out, oh, okay, I have, I'm having some anxiety. This was a panic attack. I need to take care of this. At that point, did you listen to that? Did you go follow up with the medication and whatnot? Or was, oh yeah, have a different reaction? No, I was like, I a hundred percent was like, ran myself over. And, and I went to a psychiatrist, which I think is really important. You know, I didn't go to just a doctor. I went to a psychiatrist who was amazing. And um, he, you know, put me on an SSRI and I started feeling, you know, a little bit better slowly by slowly. Like I just, I lost so much weight just in that week of not really feeling well. So it took me a little bit, but I definitely got back on my feet. And um, I also explored all sorts of other, you know, why did this happen? Because I'm always like a why person, like why, why, you know, why is this happening? Um, and so I did a bunch of different tests and I actually found out that I had Lyme disease. Mm. And um, that is a long, long story in and of itself. But um, I did many years of different types of treatment of natural things and antibiotics and Mm-hmm. all sorts of um, holistic and, and more Western medicine for all of that. But, but through all those years, it, you know, I, I did have to, you know, lean on um, Western medicine and, mm-hmm. and antidepressants to, you know, be able to do what I do to be able to teach yoga and be a mom and do all those things. And for a lot of years, there was a lot of shame in it. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I think if you were to tell me 10 years ago, I'd be doing a podcast and telling everybody, you know, that I'm on medicine. I think I'd be like, yeah, right. But (laughs) yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, right. I'm so glad that I am because I think it's so important to talk about. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, especially in the wellness community that I think that we're in and that, you know, the yoga communities and there can be this stigma around going with Western or traditional kind of, you know, uh, medicines or therapies here, as opposed to leaning on the holistic practices. It's almost like there's like this message that like, if you can't feel well, then it's your own fault because you haven't, you know, drank all the juices and done your set for an hour and then done or moved your body. Like if you don't do all those things, then you're just, you must not be enough. You should be well if you did them all. Absolutely. Such a stigma, right? It is. And, And that's how I felt for sure. You know? And so even as I was doing all these things, you know, to, to feel better, there was always this, you know, really strong pull to like, I just got to get off this medicine. You know, I just got to get off this medicine. I have to figure this out so I can like get off this medicine. And I did, you know, several times I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I feel like I, there was a turning point where I was like, you know what, maybe I'm just gonna take this medicine and say, thank you. You know, and that's what I try to do when I take my pill in the morning. Like I literally 
you know, have it on the counter. I put it in my mouth. I take my water and I say, thank you. Because with this medicine, I'm able to do all of the things to make me feel good. You know, I'm able to run. I'm able to sit and meditate. I'm able to teach yoga. Mm -hmm. I'm able to balance the demands of being a mom and a wife and, you know, and so what a blessing that we have modern medicine that we can take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I actually kind of have goosebumps as you're talking about that, like taking the medicine and just saying, you know, thank you. Um, I think that's such a great message. And I, what I hear a lot of it and what I hear in it a lot is um, like this, it's, it's a process sometimes, but it's like this radical acceptance is that, you know, Tara Brock, the meditation. You, I know Tara Brock. I have <laughs> all of her books laying out here in case I need to find a quote for you. <laughs> yes. My best friend, but she doesn't know me, but yes, I know Tara Brock. <laughs> exactly. I think we all feel like that about her, but Tara Brock for everyone that's listening is a psychologist, but she's also a meditation teacher and a, a writer and all of these things, but she talks about radical acceptance and, but on the other hand, radical self-compassion. So we've got to like, it sounds like you totally accepted. Okay. I did a lot of resisting in my life, but now I've accepted this is who I am and that's okay because I'm beautifully made and have a wonderful family and I want to be all the things for them. And every time that kind of creeps in for you, you have that self-compassion that it's like, it's, it's okay that I'm here, you know, that this is, and that I've, I've found my way to this and doing good now it sounds like yeah Mm -hmm. well it's it is for sure a journey um and I think this is I don't know if you I'm sure you've heard of Glennon Doyle Mm -hmm. yes so she says this um she has this saying that has helped me as well through you know the acceptance of everything and maybe this isn't verbatim of her quote but I think it's something along the lines of Jesus loves me this I know for he gives me Lexapro you know (laughs) and I mean like she's incredible like an incredible writer and um she just does so much for the community you know through her um together rising organization and it's like my gosh thank goodness that you know there is something that she can take so she can show up Mm -hmm. you know and do all the things in the world and I think that none of us should be ashamed of having to take something to show up, you know? Oh my goodness. I think there's your, there's your quote that we could put on (laughs) an Instagram page or whatever is no one should be ashamed for taking something to show up. Yeah. Yeah. That we get to show up. I love that. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing like your whole story with us today. Um, It's a really powerful one. And I think a message that a lot of people need to hear um, that message of just acceptance and having compassion for where we're at and showing up. I love all of those things. Yeah. If you could share anything else, any insight or wisdom, or if someone's listening and they're all, they're struggling with their own mental health issues with their own battle with being enough or just getting it all together each day as we each need to do. Um, Is there any piece of advice or anything you'd like to leave everybody with? I mean, I definitely think that there is a time and a place for everything, but if you're really struggling, like finding not just a doctor, I mean, obviously like going to see your GP is great, but like seeing a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. because, um, 
you know, I don't only just take medicine. Like my psychiatrist is so neat and he's into all sorts of different, um, he's into genetics, he's into, you know, the biochemistry of the brain and nutrition. You know, so there's all sorts of different things that I do with him, um, not just taking medicine. So I think that like finding a really good psychiatrist is huge mm -hmm. and especially someone that will listen. Mm -hmm. And then being willing to be open to try, you know, to try different things because no, there's no magic pill, you know, even, uh, I mean, I, I take a, a medicine, but I also, you know, meditate and I exercise and I try to eat well, you know, I, I do all the things. And um, yeah, I just think that being willing to reach out and, and again, a psychiatrist and a therapist that I haven't even talked about that at all, but that's been huge for me too. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you are an awesome therapist, but just being able to have someone to talk to and work through. I mean, I, I, I think that therapy is just as important as going to the doctor for like a physical exam. Mm -hmm. Like we all, 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 including therapists, including yoga teachers mm -hmm. can benefit from talking. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And just saying that, that permission that you're giving people to say, yeah, this is okay. We all, this is like going to the doctor. This is like going to, um, you know, get your vaccines or your whatever you need that's essential. Like we need, we just need to take care of ourselves and drop the the stigma or the, the worry around what others are going to think if we need a psychiatrist or, or someone to talk to, to get through it, a therapist. Yeah. Because, you know, when I do start talking, when I do, you know, get vulnerable and start talking, most everyone is in the same boat, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we're much more alike than we are different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really good reminder, that point of like, we're all in the same boat. I think that's one that yoga reminds us a lot, right? Like our community that is there with yoga that, um, and that when we gather the energy that you feel with that, um, I guess my, another question, I thought that was my final one, but I guess I have another question is how has yoga, how has your yoga practice just to bring this full circle? You do take medicine. You do go to the doctor. You do go to a therapist. You do all of these things to help yourself feel well and be able to show up. Um, and then you, like you said, there's, but there's a mix, there's yoga, there's meditation, there's other things that come into that. So what, I guess, how has your yoga practice, how, how has that helped you to show up or what are the pieces of that that have been helpful for you? Well, my practice definitely deepened through mm -hmm. all of this. Um, I think I mentioned earlier when I first started teaching, I was younger and it really was a very physical practice, you know, I mean, cause the asana part of yoga for those maybe not so familiar with yoga the asana is just a physical posture, but that's just like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the practice. So I was really loved doing that real physical um, type of yoga, but when I wasn't feeling so good, that didn't feel so good to me anymore to really push my body in that way. And so I found a teacher here in town and I'll give her a shout out because she's amazing, Lori Wagner. Mm. But right around that time where I first got sick, I went to her class and she is incredible. And she, you know, really weaves in um, the practice as being so much more than, than the physical. Mm -hmm. um, 
actually, it's funny, she shared this quote um, earlier this week with our Kula, which is mm -hmm. like the yoga community that's Kula, is the yoga community that she leads and, and I'm a part of and I practice with her. Mm -hmm. But what's so beautiful about the practice is I learn from her and then I can share my experience directly with my students. Mm -hmm. But um, this is just so good. Can I leave you guys with this quote? Yes, absolutely. So this is from Adya Shanti, but she's the one that, um, that opened me up to it earlier this week or maybe last week. Okay, so this is what she says. All that is necessary to awaken to yourself as the radiant emptiness of spirit is to stop seeking something more or better or different and to turn your attention inward to the awake silence that you are. Mm. You know, and so I think that oftentimes we're searching outside of ourselves, mm. you know, and um, for the next book or the next podcast or the next detox or the next, you know, whatever that is in this in the wellness community. But the truth is that we are already whole and it's just coming back to that. Yes. Oh, that is so beautiful and such a great way to kind of leave, leave our podcast there is that, at, you know, the way yoga has shown up for you and been able to support you is that it reminds you that you're already whole, that you just go back to yourself and it's a reminder for you. So, oh, I love that. That's beautiful. I love it too. Oh, well, I think this has been so helpful to so many people and we do have one more little piece. We often practice together. And I was wondering if you have a practice that you'd like to share with us today that you'd like to describe to everyone now. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so at the beginning of all of my classes, I, I do a seated, you know, it's, a, I guess you could consider it a meditation. It's really just like a turning back towards ourselves, just a check-in. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just close our eyes and check in with our body and our mind and our heart. Cool. Okay. Well, we, if it's okay with you, we'll take a little pause. And then um, when we come back, we will practice, Michelle will lead us through and we'll practice together. Sound good? That sounds great. All right. So everybody get yourself in a comfortable seat. It doesn't have to be in a full lotus on the floor. You can just pause wherever you are and sit up nice and tall. Eyes are closed gently. And we always, always start our practice with the breath. So just turning towards and noticing quality of the breath the way it's moving in the body and, and not to try to change it in any way. Noticing if you feel it in the nostrils, in the chest, in the diaphragm or the belly. And really thinking about all of our awareness moving towards the breath. 
So a one-pointed attention, if you will. Breathing in and breathing out. And then we'll take that one-pointed awareness up to the top of our head and we're gonna check in with the physical body first. So this is just a scan from the top down, just noticing, starting with the brow, the eyes, noticing the face, particularly the jaw hinge. Oftentimes, if we're sitting for a long time at the computer or with a phone, our chin tends to jut out and up. So can you bring the chin down and back slightly? And then just swallow, notice how the back of the throat feels and take awareness into your shoulders. Draw awareness down through the arms into the hands. And then try to soften the hands, wherever they are in the lap, on the legs. And then awareness draws back up through the arms, across the shoulders, and through the back body, the sides of the body, and across the front of the body. Maybe you can feel the chest rise and fall. Maybe you can soften the belly a bit more. Awareness draws down into the hips, into the base of the body, and then awareness draws down through the legs, knees, ankles, feet, and toes. And we affirm in our bodies that we are strong and healthy. And we always use I am in our affirmations. I am strong, I am healthy. Some days I like to add, I am full of vitality, full of life force. And then we just let go of our body. We transition from the body to a little more subtle level of the mind. But the awareness draws back up. And now our awareness is in our head, but we're just checking in, where are my thoughts today? And there's never a right or wrong answer. And some days it's kind of elusive. And some days it's more clear. 10,000 thoughts a day on average in the mind. And many of the thoughts are forward-thinking thoughts of the future and oftentimes they're ruminating thoughts of the past. And the thing about the mind is we can't think ourselves back into the present moment. If we are lost in thought, our best bet is to breathe. Breathing in, breathing out, and coming back to the spacious nature that is the truth. Between all the thoughts, there's space. Just like the sky, is blue, that's the mind, the blue sky, and the thoughts are the clouds. And we don't affirm the clouds and the thoughts, we affirm the spaciousness. So you can say that to yourself, I am spacious. Or maybe even I am spacious awareness. And then the last check-in is with the heart. And I like to put my hands on my chest, one over the other. And just take a deep breath in and out and notice how I'm feeling. 
Is there a predominant feeling? And again, there's not a right or wrong answer. All of it is valid. All of it is okay. And it will all be affected by what's happening in the earth, in our country, what's happening in our physical body, what's happening in our mind, community. And so we just notice. We breathe in and out. And we find a safe haven in this space of loving awareness. Because that really is the truth. This loving awareness is the truth of who we are. And some might call it divine. And some might call it the self with the capital S. Or love or peace. Just coming back home to who we are. What a blessing, what a gift. And then we can move from the space out into the world. So from your heart, just fold your hands into Anjali Mudra, which is prayer pose. Press your thumbs into the chest. Lift up through the crown of the head and we gently bow and say namaste. Namaste. Thank you, Michelle, so much for that beautiful practice. You're welcome. It was so grounding and calming. And I know our listeners probably enjoyed it. If our listeners want to connect with you and practice or just know more about you, how would they get in touch? Well, they can really just come out to um, Longleaf Park um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I teach out there at 930. But I guess the best thing to do would be to check out my website. Mm -hmm. um, soulmamayoga.com. S-O-L, like the sun. Mm -hmm. and, um, if you go to the website, there's a place where you can subscribe to my emails and you can be on my mailing list. And that's where you'll find out about class times and pricing. And I really like to, you know, once a week or so send out some inspiration that I've gathered from readings or things like that. So yeah, I have an Instagram, which is soul mommy yoga. Um, yeah, either of those places they can find me. Awesome. Great. And we'll put all of those in our show notes for everyone to be able to, to reach out to you and find your teaching. So, but thank you so much for your story today, for sharing with us. It's really been a blessing. Well, thank you. So today's guest, Michelle Crittenden, gave us an amazing story. Michelle's story is similar to so many others. As she says, we are all so much more alike than we are different. And this community, this podcast community, can be a reminder of that. While her journey through yoga and health is unique to her, she tells a story that is common to so many parents, especially women who put the needs of others, children, and family ahead of themselves. 
Michelle spent some time burning the candle on both ends and doing for others while ignoring her own needs. Until, as she calls it, she had a wake-up call that made her realize she was struggling with more than just everyday stress. She was struggling with anxiety. And she realized that she couldn't manage it on her own. Now, she does speak of the journey to that realization and that there was shame and pressure that she felt around taking medication and that the stigma around leaning on medication and Western medicine to support her mental health, especially in a wellness community. But Michelle reminds us that coming to fully accept herself is enough and that she wasn't broken and there wasn't something that just needed to be fixed really allowed her to have the compassion she needed to truly show up for herself. She actually says in the podcast, none of us should be ashamed of having to take something to show up. She says to herself, I'm going to take this medicine and just say thank you. Because with this medicine, I'm able to do all the things I need to do. I'm able to sit and meditate. I'm able to do yoga. I'm able to be a mom and a wife. Her story reminds us this is something that many of us deal with. That where many of us are searching outside of ourselves for the next thing that's going to quote unquote fix us. But the truth is that we're already whole. That we just need to turn back towards that. Michelle encourages through this whole podcast the importance of listening to your body, honoring what you need, and relying on support systems of medical practitioners, therapists, yoga teachers, classes, meditation, nutrition, and yes, medication. Her story is one of tuning in and showing up for herself though, so that she can then show up for all the other beautiful parts of life, including her family. As we break down stigmas and barriers together in this community, remember that you're not alone. The podcast is intended to be an educational support and a stepping stone, but it's not a substitute for professional or therapeutic services. So if any of this resonated with you and you're looking to take that next step, check out the resources that are in our show notes. Maybe check out Psychology Today for a listing of therapist or psychiatrist in your area, or make an appointment with your doctor to talk about what's going on and possibly get a referral. In the sharing of stories, we learn we are not alone and that we're all connected. Michelle's story particularly reminds that you're whole and that listening to the wisdom of your body, you are turning back towards yourself and towards exactly what you need. I hope this was helpful. And until next time, be well, my friends.